All right, let's discuss whether or not uh, God is fair. Let's unpack it. I'm going to, uh, if you want to know the whole sermon, uh, like the Reader's Digest version, we're going to tackle three points, three questions. Uh, who's fair? Who's wrong? And who wins? Who's fair? Who's wrong? Who wins? Who's fair? Who's wrong? And who wins? All right, so that's what we're going to pull out of this passage. Uh, let's read this, this passage because Jesus is trying uh, to explain what heaven is like. It's so hard to do with our feeble human minds, but he's going to do the best he can. And uh, I think he does a phenomenal job. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So he went to work in the vineyard. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again, at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner said, then go out and join the others in the vineyard. That evening, he told the four men to call all the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested the owner. Those people worked only one hour. Yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, Friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual, usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous? Because I am kind to others. So those who are last will now be first. Will be first then. And those who are first will be last. So we've got a major problem here. Uh, we've got guys that have been working all day long. Um, and they're getting paid just as much as the guy who's been working for one hour. It's a major problem. So think about how much you get paid. Think about how much you get paid. Think about how many hours you work. Now imagine a guy getting paid just as much as you for only working one hour. Yeah. Think about that. Think about how far you drive to work. Think about what you do in the morning. Think about your responsibilities. Think about who you put up with. Think about who you smile at when you don't want to smile at them. Right? Think 
about that. And you put up with all of that with the best attitude you can for 40 plus hours a week. And that doesn't even include drive time. Can you imagine somebody showing up working from 9 to 10 on Monday and that's it? Getting paid the same amount as you get paid. Now that is very hard to digest. So as we unpack this thought, this is how I want to start off, okay? I want to start off by challenging you and I to take those scales on the inside of us that we all have, that when we see something we go, that's wrong or that's right. Let's take those scales and let's throw them out the window right now. Let's just throw them out. Because those scales are not God's scales. Those scales that you and I have, they work here on earth. They don't work in heaven. God's scales are different from our scales. Let me give you an example. If one guy works one hour and he gets paid just as much as a guy who works 10 hours, that's fair to God. I know, it's crazy. Here's the other thing. If you take a person um, who, uh, who has been not managing his money well, he doesn't have a lot of money, but he's not managing it well, to take that money away from him, even though he doesn't have a lot, and give it to a wealthy person who's been managing his money well, that's fair to God. This is very difficult to digest. You and I have got to figure this out. We have got to figure this out. When I was growing up, we used to listen to preachers. The only preachers that I ever heard from the age of 1 to 15 would go, we have got to get serious about this. Anyone grow up with a preacher like that? We have got to get serious about this. Um, and if he didn't sweat, he didn't preach. If he, if he wasn't hoarse at the end of the day, he didn't preach good. Um, anyone grow up in a church like that? All right, by, uh, 10 of us? Okay, great. Um, but we have got to figure this out because God is not going to change. I read this story recently about this older gentleman who was petting his cat. He was petting his cat backwards. He was petting him from tail to head. And this little boy came up to him and said, you're petting the cat backwards. And the man said, well, the cat better turn around then. Because I ain't changing. I'm petting just like this. God would say to us, look, I know our scales are different, but mine aren't changing. You you, you need to change yours and we're going to be okay. Or there's going to be some frustration involved. So let's unpack it. Let's unpack it. What I love about God is he doesn't want us to be confused. This is why he gave us his word. So let's unpack it. Let's just kind of comb through this. We're going to ask three fair questions to determine whether or not God is fair. Question number one is who is fair? In the story, the landowner said, I am not unfair. That's a type and shadow of God who's saying, I am not unfair. You know, uh, as I was thinking about this, it, 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 it crossed my mind 
that the, the guy who had worked 10 hours, when he got paid his day, his, his, the wage that, got, that the landowner gave him, he did not get, he got exactly what was agreed upon before the day started. Right? He got, he was promised a wage and he got that wage. Everything was fine until the other guy showed up. So the guy who got paid 10 hours worth of work, he got exactly what the agreement was, didn't he? He didn't get cheated. He, the agreement was established in the morning. In the evening, he got exactly what was agreed upon. The problem comes in is when he looks at Bobby and says, hold on, Bobby didn't work as hard as me. Now we got an issue because Bobby is getting blessings that he didn't earn. But you know what I find so interesting is we don't have a problem receiving blessings that we didn't earn. What we have a problem with is when somebody else gets blessings that they didn't earn. That was out loud, folks. We're good with it. We just say, Lord's pouring down favor on me. God's giving me favor. I'm reaping where I didn't even sow. Let the blessings of the Lord rain down on me. We have got to get serious about this, folks. I love the Lord. I'm walking from mountaintop to mountaintop. God is so good. Oh, my God. He's so good. But when somebody else gets it. Oh, hold on a minute here. Hold on. No, hold on a minute here. I got a, a, an eight-year-old son who loves to lay in the middle of the bed between my, my wife and I. Loves it. It's, his, it's like the pinnacle of his whole life. We sent him to bed, and as tradition holds, he comes out of his bed to discuss something 17 times before he goes to sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I'm like, do what you did last night and the night before and the night before and the night before that and the night before that. So we send him to bed. He comes down last night, and his older sister, she's 11, she's, her name's Presley. She was laying in the middle of bed, and we were talking about her day. Whew. <laughs> He comes down. He's like, <laughs> he goes, what is going on? <laughs> he's eight. What is going on? He's sitting there with Superman pajamas on. What is going on? <laughs> he goes, that's not fair. It was fair the other night when he was in the bed. <laughs> That was fair. Isn't it interesting that unfair is always fair to somebody? <laughs> right? So what we have a problem with and what we have questions about is not whether or not God is fair because we don't mind him being unfair. We mind it when it appears that somebody is getting more than we are. That's what the problem is. So if you're taking notes this morning, write down this. When it appears that God is unfair, he is always right. He's always right. What I've noticed in my own life, and maybe you can parallel this to your own, 
is I've noticed that God always gives me what he's promised me he's going to give me. He just doesn't always give it to me at the same time as he gives it to other people. Are you with me? Uh, You know, uh, ladies in the room, uh, you got married late in life, and you're like, I was the maid of honor 17 times. (laughs) You know know what I like doing is I like looking at wedding photos, and I only look at the maid of honor. (laughs) Because they're they're usually like this. (laughs) That's supposed to be me. You got married, you just didn't get married when you wanted to. And if you're single right now, you're thinking, my time hasn't come yet. The only thing worse than being single and wanting to be married is being married and wishing you were single. So <laughs> let's, not, let's not complain. It's the timing that we've got issue with. Uh, you know, the Bible says this in Galatians 6, 9. It says, don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get tired while you're being faithful. For in due season, I will bless you. In due season, what does that mean? I wish you would have said every fall. <laughs> don't you? What do you mean due season? I wish you would have said every spring you're going to... I wish you would have just said, what season? He's saying in due season. No, 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 no. There's fall, there's winter, there's spring, there's summer. Due is not one of those. (laughs) Due season. No, no, no. He's saying in due season. That means when the time is right. We don't like that. We don't like that. When the time is right, I'm going to bless you. You know, if you ever watched a race, I've given this illustration before, but... Have you ever watched a race on TV? It's better on TV than in real life, but some of you have probably seen it in real life where people are racing around a track. And the track is longer on the outside of the track than it is on the inside of the track. And so what they do is they stagger the racers. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so what they do is they take the, the guy on the outside of the track and they give him a huge head start. And the guy on the inside of the track, they make him start late. And they go, on the mark, get set, pow, and they start running. And when you're watching it from TV, it's awesome because you kind of see it from an aerial shot. And while you're watching, you're going, man, the guy on the inside is losing big time. The guy on the outside is smoke, whoa. Because as soon as they turn the corner, everything changes. Once they turn the corner... Everything changes. And what I've learned about God is we all turn the corner at different times. Some people turn the corner at 20. Some people turn the corner at 30. You don't know when you're going to turn the corner. What I'm going to tell you is when you turn the corner, everything changes. I've got a friend of mine who's been hating his job for years. Well, his boss just resigned. And he's going to get his job now. Well, everything just changed that fast. Now, I'm not saying let's all pray for your bosses to resign. (laughs) What I'm saying is that everything changes. That You don't know when the corner is going to change. Some of you, I'm too late. You've already started praying for your boss to quit. But (laughs) 
It's, it's, it's a doubt issue that we've got to get out of our head. I read about a, um, a, a, a test pilot named Henley. He's a British test pilot. He was flying a plane. He was real high. I wish I would have wrote, written down how high he was, but he was real high. And somebody in the plane told him, hey, there, your fuel line, he could see on the gauges that his fuel line had been busted. Somebody on the plane could see that there was residue of a rat that was chewing on the fuel line. So Henley thought, I better land this plane, but he knew, watching the gauge, that because of what that rat was doing, what he was in the process of doing, he wasn't going to have enough time to land that plane before he'd run out of fuel. So what he did is he brought the plane higher and the rat ran out of oxygen and died. See, what we have to do whenever we're fighting doubt is we can't operate by only what we can see. We've got to stretch our faith to go higher and the doubt inside us begins to die. We, we got to strain higher. We, we've got to get higher. I was in a situation this past week and, and I, I started praying about it. And as I was praying about it, I couldn't pray because I was so distracted with my problem. Have you ever been there? Have you ever tried to pray, but you got this big problem and you can't pray because you're thinking about the problem. And then you start yelling at the person that you have a problem with, even though they're not in the room, while you're supposed to be praying. Come on, somebody. We've got to get serious about this thing. You start, and then I backed up and I just felt the Lord told me, Frankie, see over it, see above it. See past it. See beyond it. Stop looking at what's happening right now. See over it. See above it. See beyond it. We got to take our minds and our faith higher and allow that doubt when we say, this isn't fair. Wait a minute here. Hold on a second. Let's go higher. Let's get our minds higher. Let's come before God and say, I don't understand what's going on here, but I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you. How do you go higher? You praise him until your attitude catches up with your spirit. You praise them. Say, God, I love you. I thank you. Watch this. I, well, you just put thank you before every sentence. I thank you that you're taking care of me. I thank you that what appears to be unfair is right. I thank you that you've already gone before me to prepare the way. I thank you that there's a job waiting for me. I thank you that I'm going to make more money in 2016 than 2015. I thank you, God, that you're going to bring everyone. This is in the Bible. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes his enemies to be at peace with him. So you back up and you go, I thank you, Lord, that you're helping me please you. I thank you, God, that the enemies in my life, you're going to cause them to be at peace with me. I thank you, God, that 2016 is going to be way better than 2015. I thank you that I'm growing. I thank you that I'm getting stronger. And do you know one time I distinctly remember saying thank you for all the wonderful things that are happening with tears running out of my eyes. Do you know why I was crying? Because nothing good was happening at the time. And so I was saying thank you for things that aren't even true. Come on, can we get real? Can we be real? I'm saying thank you, God, for blessing me, and I'm not being blessed. I'm saying thank you, God, that good things are happening and nothing good is happening. But what's happening is I'm taking my mind and I'm taking my spirit and I'm pulling it up into the sky so that my doubt can't live there. 
It can't live there. It dies. It dies. Then when I'm done praying, I come walking out like, Has anything changed? Nothing's changed in the natural. But the, the rat died. The rat of doubt, the rat of fear, it died. I went somewhere where it couldn't live. I'm starting to see in a way that God sees. I'm starting to listen and feel in a way that he does. So let me ask you, who's wrong? You can kind of see where this message is going. Who's wrong? Because in the scriptures, the landowner says, should you be jealous? Anytime I bless somebody, it's my money. Should you be jealous? So here's the question. Should we be jealous? It's, it's funny because um, God has this thing about his personality that blesses people who have worked less as much as people who has worked just as much. And, and, and God says, should you be jealous about that? Let me see if I can illustrate it in a more personal level. When my wife and I started this church 10 years ago, um, I was working a full-time sales job that was straight commission. So that means you don't sell, you don't get paid. So I've driven home many a, many a Friday with no money. Zero. In fact, I gave money. I paid tolls. It didn't make any money. Two years. My wife was a real estate agent, so we're both in sales. Uh, that's how to drive yourself crazy. We're both in sales. You don't sell, you don't make anything. Um, the equipment that we had when we started the church was hand-me-downs from other churches. So uh, the people who sang had to hold the microphone and the wire in one hand to keep it together. <laughs> because the wire would fall out. Uh, we could lift up all that we own in a, a Tupperware box. That's how we started. We didn't know anybody in the woodlands. We lived in another city doing the best we can. That's what it was like for two years. Setting up, breaking down, setting up, breaking down. Now our church is, is 10 years old. And um, what was interesting is during those times, I could feel the Lord tell me, Frankie, you and Allie are going to be a part of a family and, and you guys are going to be a source of strength. See, whether you realize this or not, you guys are our family. My mom lives in Alabama. Uh, my dad lives uh, in Humble, but he, we're in a blended family, so he can't really spend much time uh, with us because of that. He's my best friend, but he's not able to do that. Her parents live in Vancouver. So you guys are our family. And the Lord would tell us, and I would cry all the time because it wasn't true uh, at the time. I'm going to give you a family to be a part of and you guys are going to be a source of strength well here we are our church doesn't have anything and God's telling us we're going to be a source of strength well now 10 years later last year we gave away $198,000 together which is pretty amazing when we come walking in here I feel better I feel stronger and I'm seeing what God told us that God was going to make us a source of strength and it's happened but we have helped start five different churches. Well, one of the churches that we helped start started last Sunday. He's actually an in, he used to be an intern of mine um, when we used to live in Rockford, Illinois. So he's about 10 years younger than me. And uh, he's called up nine months ago and he said, hey, we're getting ready to start a church. And we want, you know, celebration to be our covering. We prayed about it. We said yes. So we help him launch 
We're praying for him. I know how hard it is to start a church. I'm encouraging him. Hey, I want you to just stay faithful. God is faithful. You're going to go through tough times. God's going to be with you. So he shoots me pictures. This is last Sunday of his first service. He's got a screen that big. (laughs) He's got a worship team just as big as ours. They don't sound as good, but just as big as ours. He's got lights flashing all over the place and a huge crowd. I saw these pictures. I said, Allie, come over here right now. I showed her the picture. She was like, what? Couldn't believe it. And I look at the bottom and says, isn't God good? Are you kidding me? What? Have you ever wanted somebody to do good but not that good? Are you with me? It's like, oh my goodness, yeah. And I'm like, I'm texting back, I'm like, yeah, God is good. Oh my goodness. Now, here's the thing. This is going to sound really ugly. I'm ticked off. I'm so ticked. I'm like, are you serious? It's taken me days to get over this. He sent it to me last Sunday afternoon. My Sunday went from being awesome. I was with you guys. I had worship with what God promised Allie and I. We're going to have a family that's a source of strength. We walk out last Sunday. We're eating Japanese food going, God is good. And then I see what he got. I'm like, what? Did God not give Allie and I what he promised? No, he gave us what he promised. He had a different arrangement with Jeff. (laughs) He did not give me what he promised me. My arrangement got fulfilled. But I'm looking at that arrangement. I'm going, wait a minute here. Hold on. And and now the Lord now says it to me. uh, What are you jealous about? Oh, okay. Now, now, who's wrong? Oh, hold on a minute here. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me let me unpack this. I think I'm missing something here. See, what what is inside of me that's not okay with that? What's in me? What is inside of me that is not okay with that? See, that's embarrassing to bring up. I want you guys to look at me like, man, he's a man of God. He's a preacher. He's holy. But, okay, what's in me that's not good, that's not okay with that? Um, I've got uh, a cucumber here. I'm about to embarrass myself even more now. Um, I did not know... I did not know until 48 hours ago that cucumbers are pickles. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know. I thought about not telling you that because I can do this visual illustration without telling you that. But I did not know that. And I feel like a more, I did not believe it when I was told I had to pull, up at a, pull it up on Wikipedia. Because I was like, I'm not buying it. 
I did not know that you cannot grow pickles. I did not know that. Clearly, you guys did. Who here is bold enough to say, Frankie, I'm with you. I did not know that you... Okay, there's still like six of us. Six of us. All right. Six, seven, or... Okay. The rest of you guys are... You guys stupid? Yeah, I guess we are. I guess we are. I did not know that these... That you buy at baseball parks by the bucket loads... Because everybody wants a pickle. Everybody likes pickle. I did not know that this funky thing turns into that. <laughs> now, I know some of you are like, hey, don't call it funky. I like, I like zucchini. Uh, it's not even a zucchini. It's, it's, it's different. Can you grow a zucchini? You can grow a zucchini, though. Some of you are like, I like cucumbers. Don't bang on cucumbers. Okay, that's great. That's great that you like cucumbers. You're not normal, but you like cucumbers. <laughs> Pickles are incredibly popular. Incredibly popular. You can put these on hamburgers. You put these as garnishes. You can sell them by themselves on a stick. You, you can go to baseball games. You can go to football games. Give me a pickle. It, it, they sell them for a quarter, 75 cents. You can make a good living as a seven-year-old on a street corner selling pickles and lemonade. <laughs> Zucchini, not so much. <laughs> How does something that's moderately accepted, do you want a cucumber on your salad? Yeah, put three. I want to see them. I want to see them. I don't mind them being on my fork when I eat it, but don't put too many of them. Put like four or five. That's good. It, how do you take something that's moderately accepted and make it incredibly popular? How do you do that? How in the world do you do that? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I've looked it up, actually. There's a fermentation process called, um, help me with this, not Bren, but Bren. Brine. Brine. There's a fermentation process. I'm talking to only six of us right now because <laughs> the rest of you already knew. There's a fermentation process where you take these things that are this big and they turn into that big. I don't know how that works, but there's a fermentation process where you put it in brine or brine, brine, and, uh, and or you can put it in vinegar and it's called pickled. Like you can have different things that are pickled, like pickled peppers, pick a peck of pickled peppers. It's all coming to me now. I'm going, ah, ah, okay, I get it now. Been saying that since I was three years old. Pick a peck a pick a peck a pick a pepper. It's all coming back to me. How does this become that? Well, what you have to do. What I do? Oh. How does this become that? I want to know. I want answers. How does something that's moderately desirable become so incredibly popular? <laughs> I feel like I'm saying, oh, am I pushing it off? Okay. How does that happen? Well, you put it in there, and the longer it stays in there, the more it changes. The more you put it in there, the taste change changes and the texture changes 
And I just feel like sometimes the Lord's like, I can change your texture. I can change everything about you. But you have to be willing to allow yourself to be saturated by me. You have to be willing. How do we do that saturation process? The exact same way is we begin to pray and put thank you before everything. Thank you that you're taking care of me. And what begins to happen is everything that's on the inside of us that says, that's not fair. I don't know if you're real. The more you begin to say it and the more you begin to pray it. I was talking to a friend of mine. He's, you know who you are. He said, I said, man, God's good. And I said, isn't that surprising? I said it to him yesterday. And he goes, no, it's actually not surprising because I've been getting up early and praying to God. And I'm not surprised. Other people may be surprised, but I've been praying and God came through. We we just begin this fermentation process where the texture of our heart begins to change. The mindset begins to change. Instead of the attitude of, I don't know. I'm not sure if I believe it. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, you can say a cucumber for the rest of your life or you can jump into this thing and say, I thank you, God. I worship you, God. And do you know when you stand in the presence of God, everything about you begins to change. Now, you can only stand in his presence on Sundays if you would like, or you can change the atmosphere of your car on the way to work and and cause that process to happen far more effectively and quicker and more consistently. Do you know you take disciples that were passionate about fish and building a fishing business, and Jesus stood in their presence and all of their hopes and dreams and desires changed. It's what happens when you stand in the presence of Jesus. So we've discussed who's fair. We've discussed who's wrong. Now let's discuss who wins. The last sentence of that passage said that the last will be first and the first will be last. If you look up in the Bible how many times our life is called a race, you'll probably, depending on the version of Bible that you're reading, will come up with anywhere between six passages and maybe even 12. I'll give you one verse right now. It's in 1 Timothy where Paul said, I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Our life is parallel to a race. Now, uh, this resonates with me because I've ran my share of races. Uh, um, uh, I've, I've ran a full marathon. I've ran a half marathon, 10Ks, 5Ks. And I can tell you this, uh, not by experience, but by watching. The guy who comes in first is greatly honored. I mean, he's on the front of the newspaper. He's on TV. They're, say, they're taking pictures. He's getting sponsors. My son asked me when I finished the Houston Marathon, Daddy, did you come in first? I, came, I said, no, I came in 2001. <laughs> that's, that's what place I came in. 2,000 people beat me. And you're like, oh. To an eight-year-old, it's like, oh. I'm like, but I finished. She's like, Like, you're eight. Don't ask me that question anymore. (laughs) I lost the lung out there, man. (laughs) It's like, cool, man. Good for you. But the guy who came in first, he's, he's greatly honored. He's greatly esteemed. But here's the difference between that guy and me. That guy is stronger than me. He's... 
he's more talented than me. His, his lungs have been trained. He probably has better genetics than me. She, I got beat by like 1,700 women. 1,700 ladies. They're, they're, they're stronger than me. They're talented than me. They're better trained than me. Some of them were born in environments that honed that. I started three years ago. And the Lord looks down and he goes, some of you... You're not strong enough to be in the front of the pack. You weren't born in the family that sets you up to be the richest in your neighborhood. You you weren't born on third base. You were born on first. You had to work to get where you are right now. You don't have the strongest legs. You, You didn't get the best education you didn't get that leg up. You're, in a, you're fighting for your marriage, but you didn't, you didn't have a good marriage modeled for you. You don't know how to be strong because you've never seen anybody be strong. You've got health trouble, but that's genetic. You're born with that. It came for your, from your dad. It came from your dad. It came from your dad. You didn't even get the healthy genes that somebody else got. You didn't get that. And I see that you're not in the work environment that this guy's in. It's harder for you to fight for faith. It's harder for you to be consistent. It's harder for you than it is for them. And and he says this, God says this, I know you're not going to come in first, but I'm going to treat you like you did. I know you didn't get a leg up. You were born on first. You weren't born on second. I know that your marriage didn't get the push start that other marriages got. I know that you are working at at a job that's being greatly affected by the economy. I know that you've got some things coming against you. But I just want you to know that the amount of honor that people who are strong get... I'm giving to you. I'm behind you. I know that you're not first, but I'm going to push you along. I'm going to be your strength. I'm going to come into your marriage. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. I know nobody modeled this for you. That guy had it modeled for him. He was born and bred for success. He was born and bred to go to Yale. You, you don't have anyone to teach you that. But the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send in my name to be your comforter and to teach you all things and lead you in all things. So who wins? Oh, I have a feeling it's people like you and I. We're not strong enough to make everything in our life win. We're good at a couple things, but there's a lot of significant areas that's not doing well at all. And the Lord says, those areas, the ones that are coming in last, I'm going to take them 
And I'm going to push them forward and the last will become first. And what you're weak in will soon become strong in. And I prophesy this into your life. The areas of your life that are weak, the areas of your life that you're concerned about, the areas of your life that are sick and hurting and ill, those will be the areas that will be strong. Those will be the areas that God takes and pushes them forward. Come on, give them a round of applause for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in conclusion, I want to challenge us. Let's, let's change the way we think. Let's change our paradigm. Uh, there's this story in the Bible. His name is Jacob. And uh, it's pretty amazing because he's in a lot of trouble in this particular passage. He lays down, he tells his family to go away. He just wants to get alone with God. And he lays down. And if you'd give me some poetic liberty, because of the amount of trouble that he's in, he's desperate here. He's laying on the ground. And I would bet that he's got tears filling his eyes because he's desperate. And he has this vision of a ladder Watch this. The ladder is reaching from earth to heaven. And angels are coming back and forth. And they're bringing blessings down to Jacob's life. What's fascinating about that? What's fascinating to me is that the ladder is not coming from heaven to earth. The Bible says is that it's reaching from earth to heaven. And when somebody reaches from earth to heaven, it ignites and invites a response. And angels the presence of God becomes involved in our life and everything that was bad that was supposed to happen to Jacob it flipped hearts and attitudes were changed and he ended up being blessed when he thought he was going to be killed what's the point of that the point is this something happens when someone on earth reaches to heaven Something happens when somebody says, I want to be different and I want to live differently. 